Episode 13, The Paul George Show welcomes Cameron Fratt. Yeah, so it's called Among the Lilies, and it's a podcast for girls and women that are struggling and that are sick of just Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and just want real, authentic community and friendship and chat. The Paul George Show! Welcome to The Paul George Show, talking Among the Lilies, the Born Effect, and Paul's Accents. Co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Jamming out. This is Paul George in studio. Great to be with you today. Casey Trawhaw is on the road, man. He's like living his dream in Austin, Texas. So in-house producing this week, the show's Mr. Adam Conk. Hey, Paul. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, uh, you know... Your last name's a shellfish. Yeah. Conk. Means shell, yeah. Yeah, and then your first name, Adam, means man. Yeah. So you're like a... Shell man. I'm like a superhero. <laughs> shell. You're like a shell man. That hangs out at the beach. Like a man fish. <laughs> uh, a shellfish man. I do love the beach. I mean, I can't help but... And when I say your name, think of, you know, a shellfish and then a man. Yeah. A man shellfish. We know those conch shells that make that noise. Yeah, that's, that's me. That is you. That kind of is you. That kind of is you. So anyway, you are a breath of fresh air with Casey being out. So thanks for being thanks. in. I'm so excited for Casey. Uh, You're right. He's having the time of his life. In fact, he's driving to Austin, Texas right. right now and probably singing that song. I've had the time of my life. Yeah, I'm sure. He's probably <laughs> blowing a shellfish horn <laughs> right now. I've actually eaten conch in, the, in the Caribbean. Yeah, actually, it was really good. I think it's all about how you prepare it. Mm. Um, now you're starting to look at me all hungry-eyed. Now, <laughs> calm down, Paul. That's another 80s song, Hungry Eyes. Hungry Eyes. You know all the hits in the 80s. Right? I do know all the hits in the 80s. Anyway, holidays are coming up, Adam. I don't know what your favorite holiday movie is, but it's usually around the holidays. I start thinking about holiday movies. Mm-hmm. I like movies. I don't have a lot of time to watch movies. Like I have friends or uh, people who will watch every movie that comes out, or they're, you know, they'll either in the theater or on DVD, you know, whatever. I, I'm not that way. But if, if it's a good movie, I'll watch it. Or if it's a traditional movie, like every year, mm-hmm. you know, my family and I will get into it. So I was reading this recent study with the holidays coming up. So the average person, um, it takes the average person 20 to 25 minutes to choose a movie on mm-hmm. Netflix. Well, then I'm below average. It takes me about an hour and a half to choose a movie. On yeah, no. And and I think a lot of people are like, what? That's so long. How, how does it take so long? But I remember the days where you had to walk into a blockbuster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was no way that you were walking in a blockbuster without spending 20 minutes. Absolutely. So I'd be in there 20, 25 minutes. You look at all the old movies then all the new releases. And then finally you pick one, particularly if you went in there to get a movie and it was taken. Yeah, that's the worst feeling. That's the worst feeling ever. And so, you know, they have all these movie options. So on Netflix, you know, people scroll through Netflix for 20, 25 minutes before they ever pick a movie. So yeah. do you have a favorite holiday movie? Well, I guess with my kids, I love to watch It's a Wonderful Life, of course. Right. But, but personally, I love the really, uh, everything's going wrong with this Christmas, but the really nice dad has to endure it. 
like National Lampoon. Yeah, exactly. Christmas, Chevy Chase. And then in the end, uh, you know, he learns his lesson or he brings it all together. Because right. I feel like I'm that every every year. You're that so guy. I can relate to that. I could totally see you like wrapping your house in lights and then it blowing <laughs> up. And you're just, and you're literally like with your kids, it's great. And they're like, Dad, really, bro? You just blew yeah. everything up. Yeah, that's me. So I, I like movies that I can relate to and I can relate to that scenario. I think I would enjoy being in the holidays with you because you're a very optimistic person. Everything's usually always pretty good. And uh, so, so you and Casey are definitely opposite. Well, when life hands you rotten eggs, you make eggnog. Well, I've always said that. <laughs> or yogurt. Rotten eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So anyway, my, my favorite, I like to laugh during the holidays. Um, so Elf is a tradition uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch that every mm-hmm. year. So anyway, if you're listening in, Adam Conk's producing today. I got a great uh, guest coming on the show in the next two segments, Cameron Frad. Uh, it's gonna be an awesome conversation. Anyway, um, you know this is an interesting right turn, Adam. But uh, the the church just came out with a new you know explanation on cremation, which is just weird. But this all came about because I was in a conversation earlier this week with my dad, and he made me promise that I would cremate him when mm. he died. And I was like, well, I don't want to cremate. Like you personally or that you would tend to it? <laughs> tend to it. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not into burning bodies, man. <laughs> That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And so he was like, is it okay to cremate? I said, yeah, it's absolutely okay to cremate. And I was like, if that's what you want, it's fine. Well, he had to take it a step further. He's like, I want you to spread my ashes in my favorite fishing lake. And I was cracking up. This is hysterical. And I was like, you can't do that. You know, like you have to have a right of burial and be all together mm. and whatnot. And so um, it just kind of got me thinking of all the weird things, man, that like <laughs> for us as Catholics, as Christians, we believe. Um, but anyway, have you ever heard of the Bone Church? I have. I have not been there, but my wife went there when she was in college on a pilgrimage. And uh, yeah, she told me about it. I saw some pictures. It's right. pretty intense. Yeah. If, if you've never heard of the Bone Church, it's in it's in Italy, and it's the Church of Santa Maria, and it was established in 1631. Anyway, this place is crazy, man. It's, it's like scary. Um, there's bones everywhere. It's built out of bones, the whole inside. There's skulls. Like real bones. Real bones of real people who are really dead. Wow. And, I mean, they have, like, these arcways of, like, pelvises <laughs> and vertebrae and... Um, they have, I mean, whole walls of skulls, uh, the top of the church, they have, uh, you know, a whole skeleton, you know, it's just really crazy. Uh, and you know, it's one of those things that like as Christians, uh, the church, like we're not afraid of death, mm-hmm. although it's a fearful thing as humans, this sort of highlights the fact that, that, uh, like, uh, death is a real thing. Um, but what happens to all these, all these bones, man? Like, like when it's all like there's chandeliers made out of like, you know, your your uh, your radius and oh your goodness. ulna and your femur. Chandeliers. Chandeliers, man. Like look look at this. This is crazy. You got to go see this. Uh, but here here's the best thing. This is awesome. So they also have these monks that are um, dead and their skulls and they're like like screwed onto the wall and they're still in their alps. Okay. And this monk has this one sign. He's holding this one sign. It says, uh, what you are now, we used to be. What we are now, you will be. As in dead. As in dead. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's 
pretty intense. Yeah, so I don't understand. You walk into this church, and I'm sure when you walk out, you're just like, I need a glass of wine. <laughs> I need a happy I wanna, movie. I want to go watch Elf. <laughs> I need to watch Elf. Like This is like depressing, but the reality is, you know, even in my conversation uh, with my dad is that we're all going to die, you know, and like that's sometimes hard to talk about. Um, and maybe we want to be cremated. I don't know. It's just this weird conversation. But um, where do all these where do all these bones go at the end of the world? Right. It's going to be a noisy church. It's going to be a noisy church. So we believe at the end of time, right? Jesus comes back that uh, all those who are dead, our souls will reunite with our body, the resurrection of the body. Mm. And so part of this cremation sort of uh, idea is within this teaching of resurrection of the body, right? Yeah. Well, what do you want to happen to you when you die, in your body? Would you want to be on a church wall like that? I, here's, here's my thing. You, don't, you won't even know. Mm. Will you? Will you care? I hope I don't care. Like, like, <laughs> like if, if you said, you busy. have to do this when I die, I'm like, well, you're not even going to know. Mm. Like, you know, I want my funeral to look like this. Well, you're, guess what? You won't know. Yeah. Will you? Yeah. Will you? I, I don't know, but I, hopefully I won't care too much. I'll be you're too not busy gonna being care. happy. So either A, hopefully <laughs> you'll, you'll be standing at the pearly gates or purgatory or whatever. Uh, you're not going to care what's going on in this world because you're going to be seeing, you know, the face of God. Well, I think you have some uh, some friends on that, Paul, because I don't I don't remember any saint that on their deathbed or right before planned out their funeral or said it has to be just like this or put me on the uh, mantle so that you know Momo could always look at me and take care of me. I don't think that ever happened. No, it never happened because I, here's the thing: for us as Christians, our our higher calling our goal in life is not to, to 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 live on this planet you know we're we're passerbyers we're pilgrims and and our end goal is to be in heaven and guess what when we die we're not going to care we're not going to care what happened to our 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 body or anything else we certainly care before we want to love our families we want to do all the things that we should do but ultimately like when when it's it's too late when our soul leaves our body. It's too late to be like, "Oh, I should have done something different," you know. <laughs> and we're certainly not going to care what song is played at our funeral. You know what I'm saying? So, granted, are you, you going to be as tall in the resurrection? I don't know. Hopefully, I'll be taller. <gasps> Giant Paul. I'm going to come back in stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of six four, I'll be six eight. Oh my goodness! Yeah, can you imagine me? Stilettos, <laughs> giant Paul. No, I can't imagine giant that. Paul. <laughs> giant Paul. Is that is that what you think of when you when you look at me? Yeah, I think you're a massive man that apparently wants to eat conch shells, and I get nervous. What's good protein, by the way? Is it? Yeah, it's fish or it's shellfish. Hmm. You see what well, I'm saying? I'm good protein. So look, if you're buried at sea, you know your ashes are thrown to sea. You yeah, can, so you can up, live with the conchs. What's up with that? Because you could actually be buried at sea. So, I don't know. Is is that an option you would consider? I know you like to fish and stuff. No, man. Just put me on the ground. I don't really care. Mm. But uh, I think what the church teaches is that your ashes have to stay together, mm-hmm. like in an urn or something. And so, anyway, great conversation. We come back, Cameron Frad. We have an amazing conversation today. It's the Paul George Show. Adam Conk. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. We will hear from our guest, Cameron Frad. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you. As noted earlier, got Adam Conk producing the show today. Good to be with you, Adam. And special guest, Cameron Frad from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Cameron, how are you? Hey, doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I know, this is exciting. Uh, you and I have been talking, and you have a podcast out called Among the Lilies, which we'll get into. It's a great it's a great show on iTunes and all over the place. Um, and, of course, people can find you at Cameron Frad. And then we'll talk about your website that you have with your your husband, Matt, is an international uh, speaker on talks of pornography and sexuality. And so you guys are the Frads. I mean, you, you're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Matt embarrasses me even when he's not with me. It's really, really fun. <laughs> I was at a conference in uh, Ireland, and I think it was the first time someone was like, do I know you from somewhere? And I kept saying, no, I don't think so. They'll call. I know who you are. Your husband has that great porn site. I was like, oh, praise God, anti-porn, but yes. <laughs> yeah, isn't that hysterical? Um, well, I know if people wanted to interview you know, me or anyone in my family, they would pick the best person in the family, which is my wife. And I'm sure Matt would agree right. uh, that 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 you you know you know he would he would probably bow to you in a sense of saying hey she's the best part of me you guys are a great couple you got a great ministry really setting people free to live the life that the Lord wants them to live you know Matt's you know traveling the world speaking trying to help men and women uh, be free of of you know pornography and living freedom but you know you've kind of partnered up with him but you have your own thing and the things that you speak on and do. Um, but before we get into this amazing conversation about all of those things, um, I'd love to just get your insight on, you know, how pornography affects the heart of a woman, because, you know, you're married to someone who, who used to be addicted to pornography, and then you get into all these conversations with women, um, from around the world. Um, and so what effect does it have on the heart of a woman? It has a huge effect. It is um, crippling. It's um, yeah. It's really, really sad. I feel like we. Um, I feel like the Lord put this ministry on that part um, when we were early married, and before anyone really was talking about pornography or even saying things like it's addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I had a lot of friends reach out to me or friends of friends on Facebook. Um, back in the day, and I feel like even more women now, and just hearing these women that are trying to hold it all together, and being like, oh, it's fine, it's his struggle, but their hearts are bleeding and breaking, and they just hurt so much, and um, and I feel like I always wanted to hear them and validate them and help them through the healing stages, um, and different women take it differently, but I think that the first thing is just, it's just hurt and betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it's your husband. It's like, you know, if you so much as look lustfully at another woman, and it's like my, for some of these women, them telling me, like, I know my husband would rather be down in the basement on his computer than with me, Mm. and they're crying their eyes out every night, you know, and it's just, it breaks your heart, and then helping them realize it's not that he's necessarily choosing that, but, like, he's in chains. Mm. Like, he is so... Um, wrapped up in this sin, and Satan just has a hold on him, and, like, you need to help pray and help him find healing, you know, but you also need to get your own heart fixed, you know? I've had plenty of women who their husbands have sought healing, and they've they've recovered, and they're no longer looking at porn, and they're no longer acting out, and they're um, really living chastely and doing well, 
And that's normally when the wife starts to spiral. And mm-hmm. like, I just don't trust him anymore. I can't, I can't know. Um, like every time he gets on the computer, I'm nervous. And it's like, okay, well, he's dealing with his stuff. You need to deal with your stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you, a lot of times you need to get counseling or you need other women to talk to about it. Um, but so often women are afraid to talk to someone because they think this is my husband's sin. Who am I to like go air his dirty laundry? Right. No, and there's a difference between pointing out someone's sin and just saying, this is my heart that's broken because of this sin. Right. No. I, and I remember when, when Matt, um, just in his ministry and you guys together just started talking about this topic because it was a topic that no one wanted to talk about. They were embarrassed to talk about it. And so it became yeah. very hidden and, and because pornography it deals with our sexuality is already a sin that, that, that we want to hide. When you guys started talking openly about it, people were like, what can you do that? What are they doing? And, and y'all are on the front lines. And so I'm sure you just got inundated with people who were like, please help us, you know? And I think you're right when you're saying this is I hear from so many men and their wives or whatever is saying, you know, um, you know, this is a personal matter, you know, the guy says, you know, my sin doesn't affect anyone else or, or my struggle or this. Uh, and then the wife's like, well, it's his thing. You know, it doesn't affect me. And the reality is, is that it, it affects both drastically. Yeah. And I think, I think girls have more of a heads up now. Like I never, like I grew up with sisters, so I never knew, like I, I talked to younger girls and like, Oh yeah, no, I've talked to my boyfriend. And I've asked him if he struggles with pornography and, and just these heads up. And I'm like, I never knew to do that. Like, I just assumed, no, Matt's a good guy. Like, obviously, he's not that old creepy man pervert that I thought were the only people that looked at porn, and now my eyes have been opened, and I see that. Actually, no, the vast majority, there's a lot of people that struggle with pornography. There's not one stereotype. Um, but I think that more and more women are aware of it, and they're like, okay, let's, let's deal with this, and let's address it ahead of time. And I've helped counsel women prior to engagement or during engagement and say, like, this is a big thing. Like, I had one girl that I was helping, and her husband, or her fiancé, not only struggled with pornography, he struggled with same-sex pornography. And so just helping her in that and being like, listen, there's two big things here that you really, really need to pray through. Like, yes, he's in a good place now, and he's healed, but these are two big things that will most likely be a huge cross in your marriage. Mm. And, um, and she discerned, and she got married, and they're doing wonderful. They're doing really good, and they have a few kids, and... Um, but I think her having the heads up ahead of time, and um, that's part of why we wrote our book, Restored. Um, and it's printed through Catholic Answers, so you can get it at catholicanswers.com. Um, but it, part of why we wrote it was we just wanted to help those women know that they're not alone. Because I think the majority that I talked to are like, well, you don't know. Like, your husband may have struggled with porn, but mine is into sexting or these chat rooms. Or, you know what, has he even gone to strip joints or picked up a prostitute or whatever. And, like, he's so much worse than anyone's ever been. And it's like, actually, no, that's not true. Like, the, the greater the sinner, the greater right they have to God's mercy. Mm. And there is hope. Yeah, absolutely. So if you listen in, talking to Cameron Frad at Cameron Frad on Twitter, podcast Among the Lilies, and of course, the website you and your husband run and the ministry, PornEffect.com, which you can find a lot of resources on pornography and being set free, uh, the books that, that you guys have out. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation, I was dealing with a husband and wife, and the wife looked at me and looked at the husband and said, this is his problem, he has to deal with it. I'm out. Um, and here, here's an interesting question, this is what I told him, and is how much, how much is the role of the spouse um, to walk alongside, you know, their husband in the healing process? Because it is an addiction, no one wants 
figure it out by themselves or alone. It's already a lonely addiction, isn't it? It is. It's very isolating and very alone. And I think that every married couple's different. Like I, I, I was, and still am, not the accountability partner. Like I get emails, like we have covenant eyes. Get covenant eyes on all your devices, everyone. Even if you don't struggle with porn, but you have children or you have people in your house that have eyes, um, you should get covenant eyes. Um, it's amazing accountability software, but it's also filtering. Um, but I was his accountability partner. And for a while, I thought every woman should be their husband's. And they get emails saying, you know, if they've struggled or websites they've gone to. And now I know better. It's been many years and I've dealt with so many different women. I'm like, that's not true. Some women, I have, I know women that struggle with postpartum after every single baby. And um, the idea of their husband falling, they can't handle. Mm. They would crush under that weight. Mm. And um, so for them, they want to walk with them and know what's going on, but they can't have the pressure of being the accountability partner. Like he needs someone else to turn to and he needs to know when's a good time to talk to his wife and when's not. Um, because and, she's just not always in the best place. And if she hasn't just had a baby, she's good, and she can handle <laughs> it. But when they just have a baby, she can't. And right. he knows that about her, so they, so everyone's a different couple. But, yes, we need to love each other and walk with each other and help find healing. Yeah, I think, you know, the software is good. Um, you know, obviously the church offers so much um, healing process. Accountability is massive, and if it's not your spouse, I think it needs to be someone your spouse trusts. That is your accountability partner. Uh, so I had a guy uh, confide in me and told me that he got his grandma as his accountability partner. And I was like, bro, that is hardcore. That is awesome. <laughs> I, I love you for that, man. And uh, yeah, he was finally just serious about just breaking the addiction. And so his grandmother became his accountability partner. And I, I, I couldn't imagine disappointing anybody worse than my grandma, you know. So, so there it was. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I love not going to any length to get help and being like, okay, grandma's holy. She prays a lot. She's going to help me with this. Like right. that's beautiful. That just spe speaks to the beauty of his grandma too. I love it. And the humility, there's a lot of humility when it comes to pornography. Like it's, and just realizing like desire is not, um, Oh, who is it? You'll probably know who it is. Someone says that, um, and the man that knocks at the door of a brothel is looking for God. Who, is, hmm. who says that? Do you know that? Um, I'm going to look it I up. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a saint, though. I know it's a saint. It's a saint, and it's awesome. Yeah. But it's just the desire of our heart. And the, the body is good and beautiful. And for those of us that have read some of the theology of the body, we know that, like, in and through the body, like, we see God. And so the desire to turn to pornography and to look at it, like, just knowing that pornography, the danger of pornography is not that it shows too much of the human person, but it shows too little. Mm. Um, John Paul II talked about that. And so knowing that, like, this is a distortion. This is not the beautiful, um, and in marriage, it really hurts. Like, it does not help. Like, we've talked, I've helped couples that have, actually, neither of them struggled with pornography until they were married, and they were struggling with infertility, and they kind of, one of them brought pornography into the bedroom to try to help things and spice it up instead of, you know, to take the focus off just making a baby, and they just became objects to each other, and, um, and she told me, she's like, I knew, like, the first night things changed, mm. and then it was just hard, you know, and it was just, it got a hold on them, and it took them a while before they could get rid of it, yeah. and be like, okay, this is not good. What we had before was so good, and yes, we had crosses, and we were struggling, and it was hard, because we were so focused on the fact that we couldn't get a baby, but that was nothing, we weren't using each other the way this is, you know, and it still was um yeah so there's healing that has to happen from that absolutely all right when we come back we're going to continue with cameron fratt we'll be right back paul george show
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. More from our guest, Cameron Frad. Welcome back to the show, Paul George in studio with my guest, Cameron Frad, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Cameron, your your husband is Australian, correct? Correct. All right. So, uh, so do you ever like you guys talking on a date or even in an argument? Do you ever just find yourself picking up on the accent? No, I don't. I I love the accent. I the, the accent's really handy for picking baby names sometimes. But it's also really annoying. So, like our youngest is Peter Francis. Every time Matt said Peter Francis, I loved it. But when I said Peter Francis, I didn't like it as much. So, <laughs> no, we lived in Ireland for like four years, so I always go back to the Irish brogue. So even when I try to do Australian, it comes out Irish. So, oh, that's yeah. funny. Nope. That is funny. Yeah, and I yeah. forgot you guys lived in Ireland. What what a what a cool adventure that was. So anyway, right. yeah, Matt's quite Yeah, totally. Matt's Australian, travels the country. Uh, speaking, wonderful man. You guys have a ministry together and a beautiful family. Uh, how many kids do you guys have? We have four kids. Our oldest is eight and our youngest is two. And we have two girls in between the two boys. Gotcha. So Cameron Frad at Cameron Frad on Twitter. Uh, Among the Lilies is our podcast, which we're about to get into that you can find on iTunes and, and all the other platforms. And their website, porneffect.com, different resources. We're kind of in the last segment in the conversation about healing. And I think that's the important part when it, when you look at any sin and in particularly sin that affects the body and the heart and the mind and the soul, uh, that has to do with our sexuality. Pornography is, um, you know, once we weed it out, we, we need time for the Lord's mercy and the Lord's healing to take over so we can, we can start this new life. Right. Yes. Yeah. And we need support during that time. Like we need to have like the, the men who are struggling or women who are struggling need to be surrounded by brothers. You know, if it's, it's, if it's the guy who's struggling, he needs brothers to talk to you about it. If it's the girl who's struggling, she needs sisters to talk to. And even the wives, I think that, um, like I, I have so many girlfriends whose husbands struggle with pornography and it's so funny. So often, even when they bring it up to me and my husband's the porn guy, they are like, you know what? My husband's a great guy though. Like, he's a good guy, but yeah, he kind of struggles with porn. I'm like, I know he's a good guy. Like, I'm not thinking that he's a bad person. Like, I know he's a good, beautiful man of God. And yes, this is a real struggle and it stinks. But um, we need that accountability. We need that support. And I, I had, I think it was five or six girls over the other night. And I think five of the six were sharing how their husband struggled with pornography and they've never told anyone. And, and they're just kind of coming out and they're like, well, we know your husband struggles, right? I'm like, yes, yes. If this makes it easier, yes, my husband does. It's out there on the internet. Everyone can see and read. <laughs> but, um, but even in that environment, knowing that I'm in the group, it still was really hard for these women to share. Right. Um, but it's so good because when, when it's in the darkness, Satan owns it and it needs to be in the light. And right. we need to support one another and love one another and say like, okay, yes, like, I'm sorry that your husband struggles. Let me love you in this and help you and not think any less of your husband, but help me, let me love your heart and help you find healing through this. Yep, absolutely. And we need uh, those friendships. You know, women need women and men need men. Iron sharpens iron and we need each other. 
in our lives to make us better. And so as we, you know, receive that healing and that process, my encouragement, I'm sure yours is too, is for people to really just bring everything in the light because that's where freedom starts and, and then and then move on from there. And God can do amazing things. And so as you know, like ha- having these women relationships is so important for you and your own accountability and growth in Christ. And you've launched this new podcast called Among the Lilies, which is really great. I'm not super into women's issues, but I listened to your show. I got to admit, and I really liked it. And, um, but you know, the importance of women connecting on women's issues and really helping each other and walking with each other. Uh, tell me a little bit about the show. Yeah. So it's called Among the Lilies and it's a podcast for girls and women that are struggling, um, that are sick of just Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and just want real authentic community and friendship and chat. Um, I've been really blessed that I have a lot of amazing, beautiful, holy women in my life. Um, and we talk about real topics. We don't just talk about surfacey stuff. Um, and it's good. And I remember I, I have a lot of people that um, contact me for pornography and things of that nature that they have no one else to talk to. Or I have people that I used to be their youth minister like way back in the day, and I haven't heard from them since they were like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And I'm like, hey, Cameron, I... I'm married now, and this is what's going on with my sex life, and I don't know who to talk to, but I figured you'd be okay if I talked to you. And I'm like, sure, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about, you know? Um, And so I'm realizing that not everyone has that, and everyone should. So the idea was um, I'm often really busy with children and and just being mom all the time. I don't get to travel and speak as much. so doing something that I can do is having really good conversations, and I have all the... I was looking for a good Catholic podcast for women, and I couldn't find one. All the ones I found were super cheesy, um, or they were for, like, everyone. So, like, Jennifer Fulweiler's great. Not for women. Like, it's for everyone. So, yes, women's included. But I wanted something just for women. And, um, and the ones that I found online that were trying to be authentic and real were, like, Catholic coffee, you know, and it's two girls sitting down having a cup of coffee, and they're like, let's be real. You know, today, I didn't mop my floors. I'm a bad wife, but praise Jesus. That is not real. That is crap. Seriously? Um, So, yeah, I wanted, like, really real, and and I kept praying about it, and I felt the Lord just be like, "Um, hello, I gave you the gift of gab. You don't struggle with talking, and you have all the expensive recording equipment in your basement, so why don't you do this? Yeah, I love and it. And right away, as soon as we did it, it just took off. So, yeah, praise that, God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be doing it, and I love doing it, and it gives me life, so it's good. Yeah, so talking to Cameron Fratt, at Cameron Fratt, and usually tweet out your podcast. I can find it there. It's, it's on iTunes, on your website. Anyway, uh, you know, women relationships, I'm married almost 20 years, and so, uh, and I have three daughters, and so there's a lot of estrogen in my house, and I love my girls, but I'm not one. And, but I do see how oftentimes it, it's difficult for girls to find relationships with other girls that they can really trust. Do you find that, that that's kind of across the board? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it only, yeah, it's hard, you know, like unless we're in someone's life when they're going through something or like we can't escape it, you know, um, and they're going through something difficult, like I feel like in moments like that, we have to be in their life. And, and I feel like if I look back on my friendships that are the strongest, the people that we've gone through the trenches together, mm-hmm. you know, either they loved me through a really hard time in my life or I got to love on them through a really hard time in their life. Right. And you can't run away. Like, there's so much intimacy in that, 
you know, um, but it's hard to start a friendship and get to a deep level because you're like, well, I don't want to, I'll tell them everything about me except for this one thing. Cause if they knew that, then they wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> right. You know, um, or, or like a struggle. I think often we think, um, like I, if you're sitting at church and you're trying to have it all together and you're looking over at this girl who looks like she has it all together, her hair's on, her makeup's on, her and her husband look perfect, they're holding hands, and you're like, oh my goodness, she's judging me because my 20 kids in my pew are not staying still and they are mixed match and I have vomit in my hair and she's looking at me being like, oh my goodness, look at that woman, she has too many kids and she doesn't have it all together. And that girl is sitting there looking at the mom of all the kids, seeing a beautiful family, thinking that mom is judging me. I've been married just as long as her, but I don't have any kids. She thinks I'm contracepting. Right. And yeah. there's this, like, we're both trying to keep this front, and we're afraid to reach out when really that poor girl struggles with infertility, and this mom's drowning in kids, and that mom just, or that wife just wants to hold a baby. Mm. And it's like, you know what? We need to get together and love each other. Like, yeah. I have too many babies. Here, hold five of them, please. Right. Yeah. And let me love you in this cross of infertility. Like, that stinks. I'm so sorry. Yeah. My husband looks at me and I'm pregnant, you know, like we're on different levels, but just trying to be real and vulnerable and love each other. Yeah. You know, I, I heard it said before, and I've, and I've mentioned this in a talk, is that uh, guys compete and girls compare. And uh, mm, I think a lot of times yeah. that, that comparing keeps women from just building relationships. And as soon as we can just get over ourselves whether it's guys with other yeah. guys or girls with other, and just say, you know what, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just going to go build this relationship. And I think people need to start there. They just need to start with getting over themselves and loving, you know, the people around them and building authentic relationships because that's what God wants for us. It brings life to our heart, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And just being honest. And so I, I interview all sorts of women and I think that Part of my thing, I was here in Georgia, um, my youngest son was a very sick baby and was NICU, hospital, feeding tube, um, and I just kind of spiraled with him. I, it was the first time I suffered with postpartum, but I remember reaching out to friends of mine back in Texas um, and just good girlfriends that I've been blessed with over the years and just sharing, like, this is what I'm going through, and then being like, you need to get on medication, this is postpartum, like, you need help. But I knew no one that knew me prior to it, so I felt like, Meeting friends here in Georgia, it was it was really hard because I was like, hi, I'm a mess and I have four children and one of them's <laughs> on a feeding tube and I'm currently depressed. Do you want to be my friend? Like, <laughs> yeah, who wants absolutely. to be that woman's friend? Yeah. Not me. Um, but I was blessed with so many beautiful people that just like were my friends. And right. there's one woman here who she's like, I don't know how we're such good friends. She's older than me. And she's like, you're so choleric and sanguine. Like, I am not friends with people with as big as personalities as you. And I'm like, because you met me in postpartum. So my personality wasn't as big. It was smaller. Um, but I'm so thankful. This woman just loved my kids and I through it, you know. Um, and just being there for one another and um, supporting each other and not being afraid to say, like, okay, yeah, it's a mess. Like, my house is a mess or I'm struggling. Um, I just interviewed someone last week that struggles with anxiety. She's this amazing, beautiful woman and a great mom. Um, but she can cripple herself in a day that she convinced herself that both her and all her kids are dying. Right. And Absolutely. when we lived in San Diego, she would come over to my house and she would be, like, telling me all these problems. I'm like, oh, you're fine. Your kid's fine. Come on, let's have another cup of tea. And, like, we play with our kids in the backyard. Like, it wasn't... I don't know. I think so often we think, well, I have to have the right thing to say to her. Right. Totally. Well, no, I just needed to listen and give her a cup of tea. And, and that's the only way I could love her in that and say a prayer with her when she needed it. And she needed to know that she could go somewhere. So like she would call her mom and she was struggling with anxiety and her mom's like, get out of the house, 
go to the frat's backyard. You'll be fine, right. you know? And so just loving each other in that, you know? Awesome. So it's Among the Lilies, Cameron Frad, pointeffect.com or at Cameron Frad on Twitter. Cameron, it's a great conversation. We got to do it again um, and have you back on. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Welcome back to the Paul George Show on Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Man, welcome back to the show. Adam, you've been sitting over there quietly. Just soaking it in. Soaking it in. So in here we go from cremation to pornography to lilies. Anti-pornography. Anti-pornography <laughs> to, to lilies. Lilies. Yeah. A complete show. It's the a whole spectrum of emotion. Complete show. Total show. That's what they call it. It was a great interview. So oh, at Cameron goodness. Frad. And her husband, Matt, who I'm going to have on the show, is international speaker. He's super talented and really good. And this is his mission. So you can go to porn, thepornaffect.com. They have resources, uh, insight, all these things. So if you know someone uh, who's dealing with this, this um, sin or addiction, there is there are resources out there to help, and so that's really important. So anyway, yeah, you're surviving. You got six pack of questions. Can we do this? Let's do this. All right. Yeehaw! All right. Question number one. So you mentioned that Cameron was calling us from Atlanta, and you spent some time in Atlanta. The ATL. Yeah. So uh, what was one of your favorite things to do? In the city of Atlanta, um, well, it was the original Chick Fil A, is in there. No kidding. Yeah, um, which, yay. So would you just go to the original one? And uh, just- well, here's what was cool about Atlanta is that you know an hour north you could drive up into the mountains and and have like this wonderful fall weather, um, and then you know so it was just I love the seasons. So in Louisiana we we don't we go from like green to to brown we have two seasons yeah. Uh, and there you have some seasons, which is kind of cool. So you get maybe like a little snow every now and then. You get some fall colored leaves, and you get a little winter, a little summer, a little spring, a little fall. <laughs> Am I missing a season? No, I think you covered <laughs> But here in Louisiana, we have two seasons, hunting season and fishing season. <laughs> How long did you live in Atlanta? Three years. Wow. Yeah. All right, number two. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Matt Frad, her husband, and actually Cameron did a pretty sweet Irish accent, but mm-hmm. Matt is from Australia. Right. Can I hear your best Australian accent? Oh, crockety. <laughs> <laughs> How bad was that, man? If that's your best, I'll take it. But I, I don't really you know. Do you put me on the spot for accents. <laughs> try try to get. Just tell me, um, why don't you check that book out at the library? Why don't you check that book? I can't do it, man. Not on the spot. Can you? Go check the book out at the library. The library. That's British. Dang it. How, how, okay, so, so how do you know the difference between a British accent and an Australian accent? Because they're very close. It's probably the difference between like French and Cajun, I would guess. It's like a little bit different, but you could tell. You know I can't I mean? tell. Put another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. You probably can't tell the difference no, either. I, I but can't. I do know that there's a difference. You know how I know that? Because people have told me <laughs> that there's a difference. And you can trust people. Yeah. All right, so number three. Um, 
So we talked about issues with porn. Everybody driving right now listening is trying to do an Australian <laughs> accent. They're like trying to figure it out. And they're probably better than we are. Yeah. So there's a great discussion about uh, the effects of pornography on women, mm-hmm. bringing up men that are married and struggling with it, these kinds of things. So I'd imagine you've thought about this. What is your strategy in talking to your son mm-hmm. about pornography? Uh, start early. Uh, not too early, um, but uh, certainly uh, of age, of you know puberty. And, but here, here's my strategy, and, and what I find that's effective is, is make the conversations about sexuality, about the body, about who we are, normal. Uh, and the more that you make it normal, because it is normal, who we are, who God created us to be, body, soul, um, you know, we're good. So we don't have to act like this is a bad topic. So if we just, this is normal. So it's certainly normal that, that you're a guy and you feel this way and that a girl and she's pretty. and All these things are, are normal and how God created the earth and us. And so my strategy is is to really have these conversations just openly and honestly. And so it's not something, see, it's, sins of sexuality are sins that are hidden. And, uh, and, and we hide them because we're in shame and we don't, mostly because we never talked about it and we don't want to. So the more op- more that you can teach your kids to be open and honest from the get-go, when they struggle with something, that hopefully they'll talk to someone about it. And how old is your son? He's a teenager. Well, that was Australian. He's a teenager. <laughs> He's a teenager. He loves the crocodile hunt. That's, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, I got it. I got it. I don't it. know if Matt would would like say that was awesome, but I'll say it's awesome. Yeah, he's a teenager. He's going through puberty. <laughs> So he, how's your strategy going? He does That's like British shrimp on again. the barbie, though. <laughs> no, but how's it going? I mean, is is that I think, I using think, the strategy? It's working for you? Yeah, well, and the same goes with, with my girls, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it shouldn't be shameful for them, for us to have conversations about stuff like that. Like, it shouldn't be like, ah, you can't talk about that. No, this is this is stuff just we should normally talk about. Well, that leads us very well into question number four. So you mentioned the need for iron to sharpen iron and, and good friendships when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. And where did you get your best advice on respecting women? Wow, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Best advice. Where did Um, it come from? Where did it? Because you have all this wisdom. I'm sure you didn't just think of it on your own, but you've experienced things, right? So, where um, in your life experience, where did that great advice come from? I think it's something I had to learn a little bit later on in life. Honestly, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my parents were divorced. I I just had a lot of confusion growing up. Not, not that I didn't respect women or I just didn't know. I didn't know enough. And uh, honestly, I would say that uh, a major influencer for me was St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. When I started reading the, the theology of the body, it opened my mind and heart to, to really what God created us to know and understand of the body and who people are, the, the human being. Um, and so th- that gave that put words to what I already desired to love and respect people, to love and respect myself. And uh, luckily that came out, you know, not long, actually not long after I was married. But uh, my wife really taught me how to love and respect women. I mean, it was that when when she loved and respect herself, that's what was most attractive to me hmm. is that that she she was she loved and respect herself and demanded that of me. And what I tell women is do, do not lower your standards from not love and respect yourself and demand that from other people, other women and other men so that no one ever uses you at all. Wow. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Number five, 
So Cameron's podcast, which is wonderful, is called Among the Lilies. Yeah. I, now I don't. It's pretty much a dead giveaway that that's f- either for girls for the ladies or f- for guys who like to fish. <laughs> <laughs> and the like lily the li- pads. Yeah, the lily pads. You know. So I know some guys are like, oh, the lilies. Like, is there like a big bass under there? <laughs> well, that's great. So my question is, if it's yeah. among the lilies. If you were a flower, what flower would I'm you be? I'm among the lilies and, fishing. And why? <laughs> Wait, what was the question? If you were a flower, what flower would you be and why? A wildflower. Whoa. I think that's a variety. Wildflowers. Okay. <laughs> and why? Let me just tell you how much I do not know the names of flowers. <laughs> the ones out there. The ones. <laughs> a, I mean, what would I even say? A tulip, uh, a rose, a, a yellow rose of Texas. Um, let me see. Uh, <laughs> Yellow Rose of Texas. <laughs> that's another song, by the way. I, I, I would never want to be a flower. Uh, I'm sure your wife Gretchen is enjoying this question. <laughs> hopefully, all the men I, out I there. I resist the flower. I hopefully, all the flower. men out there are like, "Thank you." So, like a dead flower, or a non-flower. A non-flower. What about a tree? I'd be a tree. Okay, well, which tree? I'd be like a. Like a um, cypress tree, man, because you can survive in the weather and the water. It's a surviving tree. And that looks good when you're putting it in your kitchen and some cypress wood here and there. Looks nice. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Good answer. All right. Number very mainly answer. I don't even know what else to do. I mean, that's just the way I would answer it. But uh, I've never been asked in my life what kind of flower I'd want to be. Well, I didn't want to waste the opportunity. Among the lilies. Among the lilies. See, I would change her podcast into like a fishing show. Among, Among the, the cypress. Lilies, where I cast my frog on top and a big fish comes. All right. Number six. Yep. Uh, you mentioned the loneliness of addiction. Mm-hmm. What is the furthest you've ever been from another human being? Hmm. Like like distance-wise? Yes. Like completely by yourself, as far as you could go. Well, there's people everywhere, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, I usually take a... Uh, I try to take a annual spiritual retreat every year. And there's a couple of years of my retreat, I just felt like I needed solitude, like complete solitude. And so I got like an old like camp in the middle of the woods, no cell phone service, no phone, no internet. Like you felt like, you know, the boogeyman could come get you in the middle of the night type. Mm-hmm. And it was just so nice. But, but honestly, like after a few days, like it was good, great prayer time. And I would suggest you know, for people to have that spiritual, um, you know, retreat every year or whatever, I started to feel a little alone, <laughs> you know, I sort of was like, man, I'm isolated out here. Um, and so I went among the lilies and caught a big bass. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, that would, if that answers your question, yeah, right. But I think there is, there is something to say about solitude and distance, uh, you know, um, in, in a sense of really connecting with God. But if you're doing it, for no reason at all. You're not connected with anyone. Like we can't save ourselves. And so it's important for us to, um, to connect with God and relationship with God because we're created to be in that relationship. And as Cameron was talking about, it's, it's super important for all of us to connect in relationship with, with people, to have people in our lives who help us to grow in our faith, to help us to get better. We can see virtues in our life that we're lacking 
and we can say, I want that. I want to grow in that. And, and you know, the fact you, you have things in your life, I look at you and I'm like, you know, there's characteristics in Adam that challenge me to be better. I want to, I want to, I want to work on that. And I think that's important when we get over ourselves and just allow God to move in our life and to grow things in our lives, whether it's grow past addictions, behaviors, or anything like that, man, just ride that train because God got, God has so much in store for us in a life of freedom. And so I want to challenge you today to live that life to the fullest. The Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Paul. God bless you.